This is the season finale of Follow Friday, but if you've never heard the show before, don't worry, you can still start here, so welcome. Whether this is your first time with us or your 67th, thank you for listening, for sharing, and for supporting independent podcasting. I love making Follow Friday, and I want to do a second season next year. Later in the show, I'm going to tell you about an easy way that you can help me do that. But if you want to get a jump on that, head on over to followfridaypodcast.com slash season two. As always, you can get an extra long version of today's interview when you back us on Patreon for $1 or more. But hurry, because you only have until the end of July 2022 before I pause the Patreon page and close it to new supporters. The link to donate is in the description. But now let's get to today's interview with Patrick Willems. He's been on my guest wish list since day one, one of my favorite people on YouTube. And at the end of this interview, he also perfectly sums up why this podcast exists. So here is the season finale. Sing along. Today is a good day to meet some new friends. Everyone make a way. The show is a buffet. A function should know. Let's have a swirl. I'm Eric Johnson. Welcome to Follow Friday, the podcast about who you should follow online. Every week, I talk to creative people about who they follow and why. This is a guided tour to the best people on the internet, led by your favorite writers, podcasters, comedians, and more. Today on the show is Patrick Willems, who makes video essays about movies on YouTube. He covers topics like why it's hard to end a trilogy, why baseball is the best movie sport, and what do we really want from a Star Wars movie. And for the past two years, he's been interspersing these video essays with serialized stories about a trans-dimensional evil-talking coconut named Charles. This project concluded in June with the release of a feature film called Night of the Coconut. You can find Patrick on YouTube, Instagram, and Twitter at Patrick H. Willems. And you can find Night of the Coconut on the video streaming service Nebula. Patrick, welcome to Follow Friday. Hello, it's great to be here. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to find Lamisha. I've been a fan of your channel for a very long time. Oh, thank you. And I want to start with your most recent thing with Night of the Coconut. We're recording this in late June 2022. You started telling this story about Charles the Coconut on your YouTube channel in early 2020. So to start off, bearing in mind that a lot of listeners might not be familiar with this whole world that you have created, what did you expect the Charles saga to be? And then how did it surprise you en route to this making a movie? My video essays that I, I make on YouTube, for a while they had had, just really just to keep myself entertained, I would put these like narrative framing devices in them, really just for fun, to, to like set up like a narrative context for why I'm going to talk about this topic. And then at the end of 2019, I have like a team of friends that help me with the videos, who really they help me with like the narrative parts. It's kind of a way for us to like I guess trick the audience into watching like short films that I also want to make, but that normally like would not get the views on YouTube or have like sponsors on them. And so at the end of 2019, we had this idea, which was like, what if we treated the next year of videos as a season of television? And while there will every video will be like a regular video essay analyzing some film related topic, what if there was a serialized 
storyline, like a complete arc that ran through the whole year and then culminated in in like a like a season finale, which would be like a short film. And it, this was really just kind of a weird experiment or project to keep us entertained, like a fun new challenge to try. And it ended up working. Unforeseen things came along, like, uh, you know, there was uh, a pandemic. Heard of it. Yep. That, um, I guess, caused us to, like, required us to, to stall some of the narrative beats that we had scheduled for, like, the summer, uh, because it's like, oh, we're all quarantined in our homes. We can't sh shoot scenes together like we had planned. But basically, despite things like that, we pretty much did what we had intended to in instead of taking... A year, it extended into the spring of 2021, and then we did make the season finale, but instead of being like a 25-minute short film, it turned into a feature-length movie, and that movie premiered online a week ago, like exactly a week ago. It's out now. The whole thing, it, it became a bit, a bit larger, a bit more ambitious uh, than I originally expected. It took about two and a half years of my life instead of one, but, uh... Yeah, here here we are. We we did it. We pulled it off. <laughs> yeah, I mean, how does it feel to be to have the movie out to be to be done with this this big project and moving on to the next thing? Are you sort of already thinking of oh, what's the next big project, or do you just want to go back to making more you know straight ahead video essays? How are you feeling about all that? First and foremost, I feel very relieved. You know, like I said, I've been working on this movie for a, a full year. We started shooting it late May 2021. The movie premieres June 2022, so that's a full year of my life. It was extremely hard to do. As much as we had a budget, which we don't usually do, it was a very small budget, and obviously as it the movie expanded beyond what it was originally intended to be, uh, you know, we went over budget. We didn't have much of a crew. The last month is probably the most stressful, sleep-deprived month I have had in the last decade of my life. And so being on the other end of that now, I feel immense relief. I have caught up on sleep. I feel so much healthier than I did a week or two ago. <laughs> so that's great. And I I will say anytime, you know, I, I, I see some nice tweet about the movie that's like, can't wait to see what Patrick does next. <laughs> I get kind of panicky being like, oh, God, oh, oh God, they're expecting like my next project already. Like, I, I don't even want to <laughs> think about that. The idea, I mean, the analogy or the, or the metaphor that is that so many people who have just made a movie have said before, so I'm, I'm not, I didn't invent this. Right. But it, it's, it's like asking a woman who just gave birth, like, if she wants to have another baby. And I'm, not, I'm just like, oh, God, I, I, I can't even, I don't want to think about going through this all over again right now. So I don't know exactly what's next. I'm taking July off from making videos. I'm going to try to take a vacation. Good. And I will be returning. To, I'm, I'm excited to return to regular videos again and not be juggling videos and also a feature film at the same time because that's that was a lot and so i'm not sure what's next i have ideas about what's next but i don't want to like publicly announce what it is i will say the videos will again have narrative threads in them that will pick up after night of the coconut uh because i just prefer making videos when there's also like this the short film component mm -hmm. But in terms of what that will be, if it will lead to anything, what the next narrative film project is, it's too early to say for sure. But uh, 
there are a bunch of thoughts and ideas like kicking around in my head. So awesome. We'll see. Whatever it is, I'll be there. But uh, the, the, thing, the thing that I really admire about your channel is that I legitimately can never predict what you're going to do next. Like, <laughs> the, I, I think that the, the quote-unquote easy thing to do on YouTube, easy and gigantic quotation marks, is just talk about Marvel Star Wars, Marvel Star Wars nonstop. And you do stuff, you do videos about the filmographies of Robert Zemeckis and Francis Ford Coppola or why movie title sequences are great, things that I find incredibly important and interesting that most folks are not talking about. So, so you know, when you are doing video essays, how do you decide what to focus on? I assume you must have just a gigantic list of things you might, might want to address in an essay. Yeah, uh, I have a long list. And often, like, after I, I have, like, a kernel of an idea, I then tend to just sit on it for several months and just let it, like kind of like marinate my brain until I have like like a take. Mm-hmm. I might think, oh, it might be fun to do a video about like this subgenre or this trend that happened in cinema in like the early '90s or like this filmmaker's you know whole career. But then I like I sit with it for a long time until I have like a take yeah. until some sort of thesis develops because. I try to hold the videos to like a high standard to be like, I want these to be videos that I would want to watch and videos that ideally no one else is going to make. E- even if it's a topic people have covered, I want to make sure that I'm covering it in a way that other people haven't or aren't doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it really just comes down to like, for picking topics, it's what are the subjects that if I wasn't making videos, I would still obsess over and like stay up late going down like a research rabbit hole and then when I hang out with my friends just go on a monologue shouting at them about like have you ever thought about about the arc of this person's career and how they like pivoted like at, at the certain point and then how how like their visual style changed when they switched cinematographers and stuff like that like things like that like every one of these is just some topic that I am really interested in or really excited about and not to like try to psychoanalyze my viewers, but like I, I look at my analytics and I have compared my YouTube analytics to other creator friends of mine and mine are kind of a weird anomaly where unlike most people, the majority of my views on the channel come from existing subscribers. While most people, their views come from uh, non-subscribed people who just like find the videos recommended in the sidebar. And so my viewers tend to and this kind of this developed over time, but really in like 2020, this really started clicking. They tend to just watch every video regardless of the topic, and that's how you'll have weird things. You know, for instance, my audience is like 90% male. I wish it were more balanced, but that's like I don't think I do. Like my videos like skew male centric or whatever, but that's just the way it is. But so you'd think that like in the summer of 2020, I released I almost back to back like videos about. Christopher Nolan, and then Mamma Mia, Here We Go Again. <laughs> and you would think, with YouTube being what it is, with my audience being what it is, that the Nolan one would have, like, five times the number of views. Nope. They have, like, pretty comparable views. Like, like, like th- there's not a big difference between them. The, the majority of the audience probably, like, is generally more interested in Nolan's movies, but they still clicked on and watched the Mamma Mia video. And that's really nice because it means for me, like, I've kind of ended up in this sweet spot where there's the freedom to kind of do whatever I want to do or talk about whatever I feel like. And there isn't the pressure that most people 
talking about movies on YouTube deal with, which is like, oh, okay, we need the views. Like, what are the popular topics? Mm-hmm. Is it do we pop out another? Marvel video again? Uh, is it time to, I don't know, c- cover one of the small handful of, of, of like directors people seem to care about? Is it like, I don't know, we do our like Denis Villeneuve retrospective or whatever? <laughs> and to be clear, like I have not done a Denis Villeneuve video. I would I, watch that. Th- th- I, I totally <laughs> might. Uh, people have asked me about it. I haven't had a take yet. I'm not opposed to that. But it's like there are certain things that do well. And there is like if you want views, there is the pressure to Talk about those things that have the existing audience that you know people will click on. And I've gotten – I'm very fortunate to kind of be in the spot that I am. Yes. Well, let me get some more takes of yours on some people who you follow online. No time to marinate. Just got to get some takes. And uh, listeners, you can follow along with us today. Every person Patrick recommends will be linked in the show notes and in the transcript at followfridaypodcast.com slash Patrick Willems. Can I just say this? It was so hard to put together this list. I could explain why in a minute, but uh, I realized I, I was like, despite being a person on the internet for a living, I don't follow a lot of internet things very, or, or, or like internet people really actively. And so putting this together was a struggle. I, uh, my, my, I guess my internet time, following time is lame so <laughs> it, it's a it's a fascinating list and no i actually i hear that from about 50 percent of people some people are just like this is the hardest email i have written all week just telling you who i follow and other people it's like five minutes they know exactly who they want to talk about it's fascinating how it splits yeah. that way okay okay i'm not i'm not alone here <laughs> not alone it's final friday all right patrick before the show i gave you a list of categories and i asked you to tell me about some people you follow who fit in those categories your first pick is in the category someone you're embarrassed to admit you follow, and you said Kobe Eats, who is on YouTube and TikTok at Kobe Eats, and on Instagram at Kobe underscore Y-N, and Kobe is spelled K-O-B-E. Kobe is an aspiring chef, maybe, who wears a red hat and an apron, and he also appears to be maybe five years old, max. Younger. Younger. So, could you explain for the listeners what sort of videos Kobe and his family uh, make, and what what makes them so good? Okay, so so we're just jumping right in here. Again, this is my category for uh, someone that I'm embarrassed to admit that I follow, because, you know... Look, I try to make intelligent videos analyzing like movies on the internet. So maybe you think, oh, Patrick follows like cool people. Are people doing exciting filmmaking <laughs> stuff on TikTok? Uh, no, I like the baby who cooks. <laughs> so okay, I impose rules upon myself mm-hmm. for uh, putting together my list for you. Yes, there's one asterisk on one item, but uh, I'll I'll get to that. Uh, but in general, I didn't let myself put down people that I know personally or am friends with, and I've been very fortunate as like I've gotten a career making videos on the internet that a lot of the people that I followed or whose work I liked uh, or was a fan of, I've I've gotten to know in in some capacity, and so uh, like a lot of the people that I watch on YouTube are just colleagues and friends and stuff like that and so i was like it just it it feels weird like putting them like 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 choosing among you know my friends and so i was like was like nope not gonna do any of that and yeah and a lot of my followers are just like people i know personally and then uh you know some just like i don't know like people who are famous for doing like stuff outside of like social media and the internet 
And uh, and I was like, it doesn't feel right to just be like, I don't know, this this actor has a good Twitter account, so I'll put that down. <laughs> so like, wasn't going to do that any, either. Anyway, Kobe. So back in, I think, 2020, my friend Siddhanth, who, who I, I, I work with and who co-writes some of my videos with me, uh, I think just like sent me a link to just be like, hey, I, I really like this like baby chef on Instagram. And I started <laughs> following it. And over time, at this point, I would die for Kobe. It, he's like the, the best person in the world. So Kobe, I believe, is currently three years old. Three, okay. And I think it was in 2020, so when he was like one, he and his mom would just do an activity in the kitchen where he would like kind of get up on this like high stool and uh, just like kind of get involved in like cooking and like tasting different ingredients, like preparing meals and stuff like that and started making these little, little videos. just like like one, just one straight on angle. It's like he's like handed the ingredients and then like, throws them into like the pot or whatever and he's always having a great time and it seems really like curious about different foods and stuff like that and and a, a big thing you know there's i guess the constant debate over like you know should parents like you know put their like small children who don't have real no real say you know over these things like in videos and stuff like that and look that is a, a really valid question and the we should have these conversations and some stuff that happens without on the internet is obviously weird and and creepy my thing with Kobe is this kid seems to really, really enjoy cooking, really enjoy being on camera. Like, I have never gotten a sense from any of these things that the kid is in a bad mood and being forced to do anything. And sometimes there's just like a break in videos and like his mom will post like, oh, he wasn't feeling great or whatever. And so we'll have like a video at some point like next week or whatever. And there is sort of the weird parasocial thing kind of like watching this kid like, oh, get better at saying words and stuff like that. Yeah. Like for a long time when uh, he'd be handed a cup of water to, to like pour into something, he would go, Wawa. And now he can say that word. He's just a delightful little kid with a really round head and like this like long like uh curly blonde hair and he's just he's so delightful and enthusiastic and has always had this tendency to like when he's like when he's preparing ingredients if he's got a, like a plate of shredded cheese he just starts eating it instead of like who among putting us? it into the bowl or whatever yeah he just he just <laughs> Just he like he wants to eat everything before he he like 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 actually starts like cooking with it, and like I rewatch these these videos just to to chill out and relax and feel good. And like I said, I would die for this kid. I think Kobe <laughs> is like one of our one of the great heroes of the world right now, and uh, I want nothing but the best for him. And I, I mean, like, look, he's he's a he's a, a squishy little kid with like a <laughs> with a red chef's hat and a red apron. It's like. Uh, he's the best. Yeah, I, I'm like, this is an uncool answer, but <laughs> I, I love this kid so much, and he brings me constant joy. And something else that I really like about these videos, I'm, I'm new to Kobe, I've not followed before, but they do, these accounts have millions of followers, literal millions of followers, and so naturally they have sponsors coming on, folks who want to promote their food delivery boxes or whatever. But as far as I can tell, it seems like it is just food-related sponsors. They're not making Kobe do car insurance ads or something like that, which no. I, I was very grateful to see that it seems like it's all 
aligned in that same like cooking is great food is great mindset you know yeah it's like that's the thing when there are sponsors they are they are all like and not just like like food related but usually like oh like organic things or sustainable things or like some like a program to help teach kids about different types of cuisines and stuff like that it it, it really not to be like oh this is doing a wonderful public service but you know it, it's the thing that at least me as a viewer can feel good about it it's like oh this is kind of like you know encouraging like curiosity about trying new foods and like learning to cook for like young kids and stuff like that and little kobe does seem curious and enthusiastic about trying out different things and like genuinely like learning to cook yeah. and uh cuz like he's got a little baby brother uh who like pops up in videos sometimes and i saw like Sometimes, you know, like the mom will like answer some questions in like Instagram stories. People said like, oh, is his, uh, I think Cody is his younger brother. Mm -hmm. Like, is Cody going to be a chef too? And she's like, I don't know. We'll see if he has an interest in it. Because like Kobe just naturally, you know, likes that and, and, and wanted to like be involved in like meal prep in the kitchen. And so I'm like, good, that's, that's good. Not being forced in, into anything and so like i'm totally prepared for that a, a time may come when kobe is just like i don't want to do this anymore and that'll be the end of that that account and you know what it will have been great while it lasted but um yeah i'm a really big fan like inter like on instagram that is the one account that i will like drop everything to watch <laughs> a new one when it when it comes out like i i, I just I have to. Sometimes I'll go back and watch old ones and be like, oh, yeah, remember the time when uh, he couldn't say things as well? Uh, <laughs> or, like, he'd, like, spill more things and go, like, uh-oh, and then ask for, a like, a, you know, like, a paper towel to, like, mop it up, but he can't really say paper towel. And I'm just like, oh, this is it's the most adorable thing. I love it. <laughs> my, my version of this with my partner is also Instagram. There's an account called Zeth. And it's a guy and his young daughter. And it's a similar thing where, like, you know, it, it, the same questions about is she 100% consenting to be an internet celebrity? I don't know. But they have God-level comedic chemistry. They just have such perfect on-camera, you know, comedic timing with each other. And it's the same thing where they're so good together that we have buried our doubts deep, deep down. And it's just whenever there's a new video, we, we talk about it like these are our friends, which they are not. We do not know these people. <laughs> nope. This is this is my thing. Like as, as someone who is obviously a childless adult and, you know, not to get like too personal, but it's not has never been especially interested in having kids of my own. This is kind of like the best version of it where it's like, oh yeah, this is uh, the fun part of, of having a kid. Like <laughs> all the the funny, cute stuff they do, but then there's none of the other stuff yep. that you have to deal with. And so I can just check out and be like, oh, I don't know, he's sick or crying or whatever. That's not on camera. His parents can deal with that. <laughs> not, not my problem. My problem. <laughs> <laughs> well, so, so last question about Kobe, which is, you know, this is a three-year-old influencer who's popular with advertisers because they have millions of followers. Have you been influenced? Has has following Kobe changed the way that you eat or the way that you look at food? I don't think so. Not yet. I don't know. Maybe he'll cook some exquisite meal <laughs> at some point, and I'll be like, "Hmm, I gotta, I gotta." I actually, I, I will say, I'm I'm excited to see how things expand as he, you know. I guess like as his, like his dexterity continues to improve mm -hmm. and he can maybe cook some more complicated things. Uh, we'll see. I'm I'm open to being influenced 
by my favorite baby chef. <laughs> well, that was Kobe Eats, who is on YouTube and TikTok at Kobe Eats and on Instagram at Kobe underscore YN. It's Final Friday. Patrick, let's move on to your next follow. I asked you to tell me about someone you follow who you have a love-hate relationship with. And you said Jackson Murphy, also known as Lights Camera Jackson. He is on Twitter at LCJ Reviews and on YouTube at Lights Camera Jackson. Jackson is a film critic and entertainment reporter, and I was not familiar with his work before I was prepping for this episode. But he's a young guy, and I see that he was a quote-unquote kid critic on TV for many years. Is that how you started following him? Yeah, so so LCJ, or, you know, Jackson, I think I became aware of him before most people because he's from kind of the same area that I'm originally from. We're both from upstate New York. I'm from Saratoga Springs, New York. He's from Albany, which is about 40 minutes south. And he started popping up when he was like, I don't know, like nine or 10, just on like local news and stuff like that, just as like the kid film critic. Yeah. And that was that was his thing. And he really, he came to, I think, national attention. Uh, and you can see this video on YouTube. In the summer of 2010, when he was a guest on either like Good Morning America or the Today Show, one of those. And uh, and they were asking, he was like, you know, like, here's Lights Camera Jackson, the, the kid film critic. Mm-hmm. And they were asking him uh, his takes on like big summer movies. And he, he was not a fan of Inception. Mm. First thing I need to say about Inception is that it's not for kids and not because of bad language or extreme violence or adult subject matter. It's because the movie is very complicated to follow and kids, myself included, and probably many adults just won't get it. Director Christopher Nolan's previous film, The Dark Knight, worked for everybody. Movie fans from 8 to 88 enjoyed his twist on the Batman story. Trust me, there will be no Leonardo DiCaprio action figures at Walmart promoting Inception. So he had an unpopular opinion about a very popular movie. And the thing that you have to know about LCJ is that, and he's always been like this, since he was like nine years old, he was a child... Who, who's everything about him, his, his his a lot of his tastes, but mostly his like demeanor and delivery seems like he's like a 65 year old man <laughs> uh, in the body of a child. Uh, his and he's said many times that like his biggest role model is not like Roger Ebert or Pauline Kael or other famous film critics. His main inspiration is Regis Philbin. Huh. Uh, who was like his hero, who he met several times. Wow. So yeah, he's he is a film critic, but he is mostly obsessed with like old-fashioned TV game shows and a, a very like old-fashioned kind of like TV host and personality. Yeah. And so the thing is, when he came to national attention with this like Inception review where he's like a 10-year-old who's talking – as if he's like an old man and uh, like like uh, using a lot of puns and like very enthusiastically. And uh, the reaction was, was largely negative uh, mm. around the world. You know, people were just I like, bet. what the f*** is up with this kid? Why is he so annoying? Why does he talk like an old man? And then – and as Jackson got older, he – continue to just like lean into it and it, it's and that has always been his vibe and I, and again I've had this love hate relationship with him because but he's just so fascinating because 
I know that he, this kid is, he's not a kid, he's like, he's like 23 now, but he's like, he's definitely aware of like people having mixed feelings about him and that he does a lot of weird things. Like he'll release weird videos, like, okay, like he does, um, <laughs> he does a video every Christmas where he sings the 12 days of Christmas, but makes each line about like a movie that is like, a, th that came out that year that's like available on DVD. Oh my gosh. Yeah, he, he, he sings in more videos than you would think. <laughs> and like, it, it's the kind of account where if you're, if you're new to it, you'll look at it and be like, is this a bit? <laughs> or is this just the weirdest guy in the world? And I think, honestly, it's a bit of both. I think he is sincere about these things, like wanting to be like the Regis Philbin of film critics, but also like he, he loves leaning into like the strange things that he does that confuse people. Like the video where, uh, at when I think when they announced the musical Willy Wonka origin movie that Paul King is making now with Timothy Chalamet, and he made this video that was like, his audition to play Willy Wonka, where he sings Pure Imagination from uh, Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory, but then substitutes in just, like, lines about just, like, current films and then stuff about himself. And it's shot weirdly where he's, like, holding the phone. It's, like, it's, like, it's not as, like, a selfie, pretty much, but it's just, like, but he looks so serious in it, and it's very confusing. At this point, I just fully love it. Yeah. I follow him on, on Instagram and on Twitter, and I can't wait to see what he's going to do next. Like, I was so hyped for his Elvis review to come out because he was just posting pictures all week of him just, like, not necessarily dressed as Elvis, but, like, with sunglasses on and, like, a <laughs> scarf around his neck, just, like, posing. And then the caption will say, like, get ready, my Elvis review is coming in two days. And I'm like, <laughs> oh, my, what's it going to be? Oh, my God. And it's, yeah, uh, no one is doing it like LCJ is. His tastes are always so confounding where... His, like, top ten movies of every year are, like, you you never guess them. He hates a lot of what everyone loves. Okay, w the movie that he, like, kept raving about last year, that I, I don't, was it his number one of the year? Was that Michael Keaton drama Worth? I did not know that movie came out. Yeah, yeah. No no, no one saw this movie. Uh, I think it, it, it's – is it about like the opioid crisis or something? Sure. No one saw this movie. It was like it was like an Oscar bait thing that like got totally buried. No one was into and he's like best movie of the year. Like this year, that Celine Dion biopic is like what is like in his like top three so far. That is like the thing that he can't stop raving about. And uh, – you never know what LCJ is going to do, what what his opinion is going to be. It's, again, I've gone back and forth over the years. I started out hate watching it, and then I just kind of came around to just being like, you know what? I, I hope he never changes. Let's hear him out. Let's hear what he has to say. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So if you were, let's say LCJ reached out to you and said, Patrick, I want to collaborate on a video, and you can choose the topic. What do you want to make a video about with, with LCJ? Like, what sort of either a fil filmography or just one of these random movies he's super into? Like, what what do you think would be first on your list? You know, I, an interesting thing about him is, I think because he was the kid film critic for a long time, mm -hmm. 
he has always kind of prioritized like covering and reviewing kids movies but it's funny now because he's like in his 20s mm-hmm. but he's still like if you if you follow him on Instagram all of the interviews he does with like f- like film industry people are all just with like directors of like every animated movie that comes out but even things that are like some sh- the animated spin-off of like a Netflix cartoon that's just some like I don't know some like IP cash in thing <laughs> that you didn't know existed and then he's there or he, like, like, like Smurfs 5 and then he's there with the directors and he's taken out like 80s like just like Smurfs toys from the 80s to be clear this kid was born in like the year 2000 <laughs> and he's like look at all of these things that I have and I'm just like you're like a 50-year-old man, except <laughs> except you're you're 23. And so I if I could do a video with him, I would want to just follow the things that he's enthusiastic about and just try to keep up with him and understand him a bit and just like ch- because his negative takes are interesting. Like if you've not seen his his video review of the movie Booksmart, it is Words cannot do it justice. Oh no! It is it, it is a it is a work of art, <laughs> uh, of, of like a, of outsider performance art. There are times as a film critic that make you think back to that famous saying: maybe your mother, grandmother, or an early teacher first taught it to you. If you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. But yeah, but the stuff that he's enthusiastic about is so unexpected that that's what I would want to hone in on. Just be like, LCJ, let's collab. What is a thing that you're into? What movie do you really love that no one else is talking about? Let's see if we can turn that into something. I, I would probably like to see that. I I think I would. I Hard to, hard to say, but... <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it it is it is hard to say, and uh, I honestly I'm just grateful that LCJ hasn't blocked me on Twitter. Yeah, I, he's blocked a lot. Of, like I know a lot of people who have been blocked by him just for like tweeting about him, but uh. not to him. And uh, and I'm like, look, because here's the thing. Again, he's from the same part of the country that I'm from. I have seen him post uh, on Instagram just being like, hey, I'm going to see this movie at the Saratoga Springs multiplex. And I'm like, that's where I go when I'm like visiting my parents. I could just run into him. Yeah. It's possible. <laughs> and yeah, I I just, I would like to have a conversation with him. And just, because like I, I, I come at, you know, I'm approaching this as, I, I'll say, I'll say, I, I'm a fan. That was Jackson Murphy, who's on Twitter at LCJ Reviews and on YouTube at Lights Camera Jackson. So I've been thinking about or working on Follow Friday every week since November of 2020. When I started the show, I told myself I wouldn't let this podcast become a liability, and I got a lot of other stuff demanding my time right now, so I'm choosing to take a break before the show can break me. And honestly, I don't know for certain that there will be a season two. But here's the thing. I love making this podcast, and I want to make more of it someday. If and when I get back to it, I will want to make some changes. And here is where you come in. Please go to followfridaypodcast.com slash season two. That's where you can take a short survey that will help me plan the future of this show. 
You'll be able to tell me what you like, what you don't like, and you can share your ideas for how this podcast can improve. One more time, that's followfridaypodcast.com slash season two. You can find the link in the description. Please, please, please consider taking this quick survey because it would really help me out. Thank you. It's Follow Friday. Welcome back to Follow Friday. Patrick, let's move on to your next follow. I asked you for someone who makes you laugh, and you said Neil Ciceriga, who is on YouTube and Twitter at Neil Cis, and that is spelled N-E-I-L-C-I-C. Neil is a musician, web artist, and a comedian, and the thing that I most associate him with is a video series he did called Potter Puppet Pals, but he's done a lot of other cool stuff over the years, too. So what's your connection to him, and why does he make you laugh? This is like probably the most conventional pick on my list in terms of a fairly famous internet creator. Most people probably know him through Potter Puppet Pals. And that's the thing that I was aware of. I think like my sister got into it. and uh, But I never really watched it regularly. It was a thing where I, I got into him years later through other stuff and then discovered, oh, wait, this guy has been around for so long and has made so many really famous internet things that you might not realize were all by the same person. And so I met him in person once. It was like, as I was at like a comic convention and I just saw him there because his wife is like a, like a, a well-known comic book artist. And I think he was just there with her. And I like freaked him out when I was like, oh my God, Neil, hi, <laughs> big fan. Um, but I, I don't like know him, know him. Right. But I really came, I can't remember if it was through his music or, are through some videos that he'd made, but the th- uh, the things that I love that he makes the most are he has this series of albums that he that he releases like peri- like like one might come out every like two or three years, mm-hmm. and they started I believe it began with mouth sounds yes, and mouth silence, uh, mouth dreams, mm-hmm. um, and and it began as this kind of experiment to basically create these like mashup albums of music, but where initially every single track would in some way involve samples from. All-Star by Smash Mouth. Naturally. Yeah. <laughs> and the thing is, these mashup albums are both, like, increasingly impressive on, like, a musical level. Like, there are things that I would just listen to because I'm just like, this is good music. But also, they are hysterically funny. Mm-hmm. And he finds ways to combine Elements that I would never in a million years imagine would work well together. Like on the latest one, there's there's a track that involves the guitar line uh, from Everybody Wants to Rule the World okay. by Tears for Fears. But then the vocal part from the uh, Chili's Baby Back Ribs commercial. <laughs> Yeah, it combines these two things, and it's like, and it's, it's the, like there are these moments in his music where a new element comes in, and it hits you, and immediately you're just like, oh, and, and like you start laughing hysterically because you can't believe that this that he chose to like bring this new thing in, and so there's the initial like hysterical laughter, and then like moments later it suddenly clicks of like, oh god, but it works. Yep, it's like it's good.
There's one track, I think it's on Mouth Silence. The, the track is like 10 seconds long. It's like a sample of the Friends theme song. Okay. Uh, and so you know how the Friends theme song has the, the claps? Like, uh, exactly. So it's that. The song just go, it, it begins with the like, dun, na, 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 na. There's that. Mm-hmm. And then, there, then there's the line of like, so no one told you life was going to be this way. And then instead of the claps, he uses the opening like thing from Down With The Sickness by Disturbed, which matches the rhythm perfectly. And that's the, and then, and then the track ends and that's it. It's so funny. And, but then for instance, there's on, on one album, uh, there's a song called uh, T period, I period, M period, E period, okay. which mashes up the track Time by Hans Zimmer from the Inception score with YMCA. And it is weirdly kind of moving. Yeah, I can see that. And you have these instrumentals backing this song about hanging out with all the boys and being together with people. And I'm just like, I don't know. This is making me feel things that it shouldn't (laughs) uh, because it's like, this, this should be silly, but why is it kind of emotional? For what should be stupid mashup albums and are stupid, they are also this bizarre combination of like pretty incredible musical achievements while also being like hysterically funny comedy. And then he has just other videos that he makes. My particular favorites are the series that he has, which are kind of in the style of like really nerdy experts on like nerd topics like Star Wars or Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. I, the first one I saw was a video about the races of Star Wars, which I'll, I will describe this now, and it will not sound funny. I promise you, it is extremely funny, <laughs> where he's just a guy with, like, a really deep voice who's speaking, like, up too close to the microphone, whose name is, like, George Lucas Fan 1, <laughs> and he just lists all the alien races in the Star Wars movies, and all he does is just change each name to something stupid that's like <laughs> kind of similar and it shouldn't be funny but it is and now at this point like when he calls salacious crumb a uh, capuchin hacker f-er, <laughs> that's just all i think of it as now and i'm sorry that'll be bleeped out but uh just go watch the video but like then he does one that's just like explaining the entire story of Lord of the Rings. And all he really does is change the name of every single, like, person, place, or thing. (laughs) And somehow, it's the funniest thing in the world. Neil is just doing his thing. He's just, uh, just sitting at home, making weird music and weird videos. And what's nice is these things don't even seem like they really like mix together the videos do not seem like they'd be by the same person who would make these mashup albums right and that's what i kind of love about it. it's like there's no real strategy to it he's just doing whatever weird thing 
he thinks is funny, and and I'm here for all of it. I, I this comes up sometimes on the show where you have some people they they have a lane and they stick to it, but I love it when someone recommends a follow where it's a person who the entire highway is their lane. They 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 will go wherever they feel like, and they just have all these different passions because like. That unpredictability that I was talking about with your channel earlier, that's one of the best things about the internet, right? Is just like, let's let people chase whatever their passions are, whatever their creativity is. And I want to call out another thing Neo did called Windows 95 Tips, Tricks, and Tweaks, which was a Tumblr he ran positing that Windows 95 is a brooding evil presence bent on dominating humanity. It's just fake windows screenshots and it's lovecraftian extremely well-made like horror imagery i'm so impressed by people like neil who who have the self-awareness to say i'm interested in this this and this and i can do something with all of those passions yeah like i uh, another project of his that i i had forgotten about that i think he started like four years ago is a twitter account called rlstein.exe uh, the the actual like uh, handle is at Goosebots, okay. and it's like a bot that creates each post is just a fake cover for a Goosebumps book, mm-hmm. but it pretty much just I don't know uses some kind of algorithm that he he that he figured out to just basically change the name of the author so it's like like initial initial like one syllable word mm-hmm. uh and then the title of the book the uh the image for the cover and then uh the like kind of tagline on there okay and it's just it's just endless fake goosebumps covers and you know and and some yeah and these like developed like like algorithmically and it's so weird and funny and uh and i i love it hang on I, i'm loading goosebots here so i can see an example of this this <laughs> it's like the matrix like no one can be told what goosebots is you have to see it for yourself so this is like cz scope what's horrifying and the tagline is you can't teach a spooky eagle new tricks sw scape one day at trash can cave and the tagline is you can't teach a haunted trash can new tricks <laughs> right like, like there's one from yesterday uh it's like it's a goosebumps book uh the, the title is the consistent paint 2 by mn snack <laughs> and and the cover art is just the cover to the Radiohead album the king of limbs <laughs> and and the tagline is something's eliminating in the dark <laughs> It, like, I, I don't even know why this is funny, oh but God. it is. And I've, I have I have followed it, like, since it, you know, went on Twitter, like, four years ago. So, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I think Neil's a genius. I agree. That was Neil Cicerega, who is on YouTube and Twitter, at Neil Cis. It's Final Friday. We have time for one more follow today. Patrick, I asked you for someone who makes the internet a better place, and you said the George Lucas talk show which is on YouTube, at The George Lucas Talk Show. This is a live comedy show hosted by Connor Ratliff, Griffin Newman, and Patrick Kotner. I've been hearing about this for a long time now. I'm a big fan of Griffin's podcast, Blank Check, but I have not yet made time to watch this. So I want you to convince me, why should I watch The George Lucas Talk Show? 
This is my one asterisk for I said that I was not going to include the the work of friends. Uh, Griffin it, Newman is actually a friend of mine. That said, I was a fan of this before I knew him. And also, I don't know th- – th- this is the thing that was created originally by Connor Ratliff, uh, and I do not know Connor at all. And I've never actually met Patrick Kotner, the producer, uh, in person. I only know him through Twitter. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, this counts. This yeah. counts. I, I, I can – yeah. Thank you. So the George Lucas talk show began as – it was just a live show that would happen once a month at the UCB Theater in New York. This was going on for several years before I ever went to see it live. Uh, I think I first became aware of it when I, I got into uh, Blank Check, the the podcast that Griffin co-hosts with David Sims, and uh, and that podcast began as a podcast about the Star Wars prequels, and they did some, and I, and so I went back to the beginning and listened to the early episodes, and then there was one episode where they brought on in quotes George Lucas as a guest, who, which was Connor Ratliff, a an actor and comedian playing retired filmmaker George Lucas. And that's when I became aware of like, oh, okay, there's this like live like comedy show that he does. And um, and then finally, I think it was, was it 2018? I started going to see it. And then until uh, the pandemic closed the UCB theater, I would go pretty regularly. It was like a, a once a month show. And the premise is that George Lucas, creator of Star Wars, having retired from filmmaking and, um, as he will always say, having had Star Wars stolen from him (laughs) by the Walt Disney Corporation, who only left him with a measly $5 billion, (laughs) um, he decided that his new career pivot would be uh, to become a late-night talk show host. Naturally. Yeah. He would host a talk show, like, live in, uh, in New York. And uh, and his sidekick on the show, because all talk show hosts like they have a sidekick. His sidekick is Watto, uh, the Toydarian slave trader. Um, <laughs> well, drunk trader and slave owner. I think that's it. And uh, and and Griffin plays Watto in a full like blue spandex onesie <laughs> with a big blue dangly nose, like a you know like a like a gut and all of that. And each show they would have like actual famous people as their guests uh, live on stage. It was an incredibly weird thing that built a bunch of its own lore and like running bits and all of that. And it was always funny, like watching these like regular famous people mm-hmm. like have to like l- learn what this is like while they're on stage. And it's also as, as someone who, uh, even though I don't really like talking about Star Wars publicly anymore because it's just a, a way to make your life worse. I love Star Wars. I find George Lucas as a person, as a filmmaker, endlessly fascinating, and especially like all the other things he did other than Star Wars. And this show is really built on just an immense fascination with all the weird stuff about George Lucas, whether it's the thing about how like his wife, Marsha, left him to marry the guy who installed the stained glass window at Skywalker Ranch. <laughs> Whoa. Th- things like that. Uh, all of his, his you know, other projects like Radioland murders and things that were not as, as popular as Star Wars. You know, uh, his, his dislike of working with actors and wanting to just do everything in a computer. All of these things, like 
Connor Ratliff is like is so like like loves all the stuff about George Lucas so much and so obsessed with it. And the show is built out of that. Uh, like like they would do an annual Life Day show, you know, in honor of Life Day, the Wookiee holiday. Exactly, yeah. Uh, from the Star Wars Everyone holiday special. This, of course. <laughs> yeah, there was like one great uh, one great live show when Galaxy's Edge was opening. Uh, when they decided to create their own immersive theme park uh, attraction <laughs> inside the theater called Nebula's Rim, uh, but made on a very, very small budget uh, that did involve a lot of things like, you know, Watto running around and like spritzing the audience with, with water to make, you know, to make it feel like you're on like a ride <laughs> and uh, things like that. And so when the pandemic shut this down and the UCB theater closed, and actually, as Watto will always say, the last two shows, actually, uh, Connor, who plays George Lucas, was out of town. And so they did two Watto solo shows. Uh, I believe actually only one of them happened called Watto About Me, which was kind of just like Watto's one-man musical review. <laughs> and then they did one Watto solo show and immediately COVID hits and it shuts down and like the UCB theater closes forever oh like gosh. a week later. So he will always say that like his show shut down UCB entirely. But what they started doing Early on in the pandemic, I think for May fourth, twenty twenty, they decided to um, to do an online Twitch stream mm-hmm. where they continuously for some I think it might have been thirty six hours watched every single Star Wars movie, including the two Ewok movies, in chronological order. And they had guests come in. It was all to raise money for UCB employees who had been put out of work by the pandemic, and it was a a truly deranged thing to like pop in and out of and just watch these guys like fall apart. Like again, Griffin did the Watto voice for like 36 hours continually. <laughs> I didn't know he was doing know. the voice too. I thought it was just the costume. Oh, oh no, 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 no. Oh, no. He opens every episode because he does the intro initially before George Lucas shows sure. up by like doing a full Watto loud throat clearing straight into the microphone. <laughs> it's so weird. But so after they did that Star Wars Day stream, they then started doing weekly live shows on Twitch for like like a year and a half. I think finally until it became like too overwhelming. But like they had so many like, you know, like like, like actual uh, celebrity guests come in. It's so weird watching like Whoopi Goldberg be interviewed by a man dressed as George Lucas. Uh, George Lucas, who I think she actually knows in real right. life. And then a man dressed as Watto. <laughs> There's nothing quite like it. And recently they've been uh, – uh, like they did an actual – like at New York Comic Con this past fall, they did an – they had a panel where they did an in-person show again. They've been kind of going on tour. They just did like a live show in L.A. Oh, wow. I'm really hoping that soon they can bring it back to like some theater in New York because the like the online like live streamed Twitch version is great. But getting to have the actual like – in-person talk show with like George at a desk is really indescribable, especially because like one of the running bits on the show is because obviously George Lucas doesn't want the original like non-special editions of the of the original Star Wars trilogy to be released. If anyone would ever bring earlier like non-special edition copies of those movies to the show, he will destroy them live on stage. Oh my gosh! <laughs> and uh, and and look, I, I will never forget. Like one show I was at where Meredith Vieira was one of the guests, and watching her like 
with like her stilettos, like spiking VHS copies of Return of the Jedi <laughs> and like shredding them on stage. I've never seen anything like it. But I will say, to explain, this is my entry for something that I think makes the internet yes. better. Because this show, for all its like its its weirdness and and you know, for like, you know, love of destroying like old VHSs from the nineties, it has built a really like wonderful community. Like a thing that's fun about like I tend to watch the episodes like after they're broadcast live, like in installments when I'm like cooking dinner or like over several days. Mm-hmm. But when they do them live, they have a thing where, like, the the guests can, uh, like, request fan art of, like, anything they want. And then their audience is so loyal and enthusiastic that within, like, five to ten minutes, people will have, like, created this fan art, sent it into them, and it'll, it'll, like, appear on the show. Like, and and so— uh, so often they'll do these like long, like usually like themed live streams that are about like like raising money for some charity or whatever. Like they did one where they watched all of the the buddies movies, as in like Air, Bud. Air Buddies, yeah. Snow Buddies, like all of those. Oh, wow. They're all they're always like the most recent one they did. Um, was was it for Star Wars Day where they did a Star Wars explain-a-thon where for like, I don't know, it might have been like 20 hours or something. They just, uh, no, not, not 20 hours. I think it was more like eight. Um, they just set, it was set up as if it was around a campfire and they just explained the plot of every single chronological Star Wars movie <laughs> as guests would come in and out. I think it has built like a really wonderful like community around it. It, it. it pretty much the online version of it originated around like raising money for people who had lost their jobs because of the pandemic. It actually has like a positive impact on things, and is just it's it's built from a very the kind of like sincere, weird, obsessive love of like movie minutia that like place that I come from with like the videos that I make and I think this is like in line with it in terms of just like general interest and like sense of humor and uh and it's a thing I think is really wonderful and also so hard to explain to people and um and I think it makes the internet a better place you you have explained it very well. You have convinced me. I need to now go waste the, my entire weekend uh, watching the George Lucas talk show. But uh, before I do, one more question about this, which I always ask when someone says that an account makes the internet a better place. What is something that the rest of us, who are just you know regular folks on the internet, what can we do to learn from their example? What's something that we can do to make the internet a better place in the same way that they do? Not to be like, I also make the internet a better <laughs> place, but it's like... A general kind of, like, philosophy that I I try to stick to with, like, the stuff that I make that I think is, like, you know, a a similar place that, like, the George Lucas talk show comes from is I think it's much healthier to use your your spot on the internet, uh, and this is exactly what the show is about, to uh, talk about the things that you like as opposed to the things that you hate. I I think that's a healthier way to live and especially a healthier way to have a a public internet persona. Um, I think it's better for you and also better for people who follow you. And I think it's pretty simple. It's just like, look, when I see people who dedicate all of their energy to just like talking about movies that they think suck, I'm just like, that that just seems like it's going to like it would be a, a bummer yeah. after a while. Like 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 dwelling on 
things you don't like that make you angry just seems like a frustrating way to to exist and like we've there's we've we've only got so much time uh to do stuff and i would rather focus on things that even if they're not things i love at least things that i think are interesting and so you know that's that's my best answer Thank you for summing up the entire raison d'etre of this podcast. I appreciate that. <laughs> of course, of course. That was the George Lucas Talk Show, which is on YouTube at the George Lucas Talk Show. Patrick, thank you so much for coming on Follow Friday. You have been very generous with your time. But before we go, let's make sure the listeners know how to find you online. Where do you want them to follow you? Okay, uh, first and foremost, probably uh, watch the videos I make uh, where I talk about movies at youtube.com slash Patrick H. Willems. Please also watch uh, the movie I made because it was really hard to make and uh, it took a long time and I I am actually genuinely proud of it. Uh, It's called Night of the Coconut and you can find it on the streaming platform Nebula. Uh, which is a great place and with lots of great stuff and it's worth subscribing to. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Patrick H. Willems. And you can follow me on Twitter at HeyHeyESJ. Thank you for joining us for season one of Follow Friday. And remember that you can help me make season two a reality by going to followfridaypodcast.com slash season two. If you like this episode, then you have 66 other episodes of Follow Friday to go check out, including the film cast co-host Devendra Hardawar, the Blacklist founder Franklin Leonard, and author-slash-video essayist Lindsay Ellis. Follow Friday is a production of lightningpod.fm. Our theme music was written by me and performed by Yona Marie, and our show art was illustrated by Dodie Hermerwan. Special thanks to our Big Fry Patreon backers, John and Justin. That's all for this season. This is Eric Johnson reminding you to talk about people behind their backs. And when you do, say something nice. So long and take care. Bye.